Welcome to the Jesus Church Podcast. We're a family seeking to become like Jesus, empowered by His presence, to partner in God's creative work of restoring the world. We pray this episode encourages and equips you along the journey. We're all in process, becoming something. Like a potter throwing clay or an artist mixing color, our lives are being formed. Different backgrounds and experiences blemished and cracked. Each day, an opportunity to move into or out of all that God has purposed. So the question isn't if we are becoming, but rather who are we becoming? And in this family, we want to go on the journey of becoming like Jesus. Good to be with you guys today. I'm so happy that you're here. Hi, Layla. I see you. It's good to see you. Um, I, I'll be honest. I'm still stuck on some of the lyrics we just sang. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Oh my gosh, I can't even get through without crying. Now we're running free. We're forgiven accepted, redeemed by his grace. I think we could just rest in that for the rest of the time and God's glory would fall. <laughs> but on the real, um, I'm, I'm not coming to you today as an expert. I'm certainly not coming to you as someone who has it all figured out. More than anything to you, I'm coming as a sister whose adoption spirit that I and anyone who is following after Jesus has that cries out, Abba, Father. It, that, that spirit within me is so stirred this morning. It is so stirred and it is crying out. And, and, and I don't know exactly what God wants to do or, or how he wants to meet you. I do know though that he wants to meet with you. Maybe you thought today was just gonna be a normal Sunday but, but I think that if you're hungry and if you lean in the scriptures, we see this pattern all throughout the stories that when God's children cry out, if you would be so bold to allow yourself to get messy and to cry out, God comes to those who cry out. And so I don't have a lot to teach today. We're definitely gonna open up the text because um, he speaks, his word is living and it is active and it wants to stir you up today. I believe that. But more than anything, today is about making space to respond to the reality and to ready our hearts so that those lyrics that we sing aren't just lyrics that we sing, they're words that we embody and bring people into. So... I'm expectant. Would you pray with me to just prepare our hearts for what God wants to do in this place? Jesus, thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would pour it out into our hearts today in a really real way. God, I pray that the soil of our hearts would ready itself right now 
to receive the word that you have, but not just to receive it, to respond to it. I pray, Jesus, that you would move in such a way that when we walk out of these doors today, we stand more firmly in the freedom, the grace, the presence, and the power of your spirit that is living and moving through us. We wanna see you move, God. We love you, amen. All right, as a church, we have been reading through the book of Luke during the week, and then on Sundays we've been coming together to unpack some of the key priorities and practices that Luke points out in the life of Jesus. And I wanna take just a minute to remind us of why we're doing that, because sometimes we can get in a series and we get our heads down and we get into it, and every once in a while we need to remember the why. What's the big picture that we're going after? So we're doing this, we're paying attention to the priorities and the practices of Jesus because we believe that Jesus alone, this is important, that Jesus alone leads us into the life that you and I are really longing for. That in reality, all of our needs and all of the longings that we have for security, satisfaction, freedom, forgiveness, justice, and love are really just echoes of our need for God. And Jesus' invitation to us to follow him by prioritizing and putting his teachings into practice in every aspect of our lives, not just some aspect of our lives, but in every aspect of our lives is what opens us up to receive that for which we long for most and will never fail us. Hear me right. Putting his teachings into practice, it doesn't earn us brownie points or more of God's love. It opens us up to receive his love and be a part of his mission in bringing love to the world around us. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been focusing our attention in on one of the ingredients that Jesus says is essential in staying connected to the presence of God, the power of God, and the perspective of God, which we need as we navigate the ups and downs of daily life. And that essential ingredient is this. It's the practice of persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer. Last week we looked at the words of Jesus in the first part of Luke 12, and today we're picking right up from where we left off. Jesus is mid-conversation, that's where we left off. So let me, uh, let, let, let me set this scene for us so that we can enter into the story, and then we're gonna open up the text and read uh, what he has for us today. So here's the scene. At this point in the narrative, the animosity and the angst between the Pharisees and Jesus is palpable. The, the angst that the Pharisees feel toward Jesus is getting more and more intense, so intense that, that they're no longer content to just scrutinize the practices of Jesus. From now on in the narrative, they start to stalk him. And, and they're looking, actively looking for ways to cast Jesus in a negative light so they can take him down. So, so things are heating up. Things are really heating up. It, it, kind of like they are in our world a lot right now. In his short ebook, How to Reach the West, Tim Keller describes the growing disposition toward the church, especially in cities like ours here in Portland. He says this, 
While religion was broadly seen as social good or at least benign, increasing numbers of people now see the church as bad for people and a major obstacle to social progress. In Luke 12, followers of Jesus find themselves in a religious landscape that is not so unlike our own. Jesus and his growing band of followers were increasingly being viewed as a threat and an obstacle that should be taken out. Some of this, as you're seeking to follow Jesus faithfully in your workplace or at your schools or in in the relationships that you're in, you feel this. It's not cool to be Christian. That's definitely true. It is not cool to be Christian and it's even changed even more. We're becoming, we're increasingly becoming viewed as a threat to progress. Jesus' followers are in a similar situation. So in a crowd of thousands of people packed in like sardines, Jesus directs his teaching to the disciples and he starts to instruct them on how to respond. He's teaching them how to respond when things get hard, how to respond when people don't understand why they're following Jesus and doing what they're doing, how to respond when people's suspicion starts to move into the territory of persecution. So I don't know if you're coming in today and things are hard, but if they're feeling hard, there's good news. Jesus is teaching and he's training his disciples on what to do when things get hard. And and what he does is he's helping them see this really important thing that, that we tend to forget, but we need to remember today. He's teaching them how to see the world that the world is not designed to fill the kind of hunger that they have. And he's warning them of the disappointment and the devastation that they will inevitably experience if they get distracted by or deceived into thinking that anything or anyone in this world can give them the security and the satisfaction that they're really looking for. Saying you won't find it there. And this brings us to our text today. So would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? We're in Luke 12, we're picking up in verse 35. Jesus has just told the disciples, seek first the kingdom. Don't get distracted into thinking that your stuff will give you the security you need and don't be afraid. And then he says this, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must also be ready. Why? Because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, you can have a seat. Jesus' words are direct. Be ready, he says. And if you're paying attention, when, when we're reading those words, you can feel, do you feel, do you, you, you can feel the weight 
of the urgency that Jesus' words carry within them. Jesus is strengthening the force of his call to seek first the kingdom by bringing into focus how our expectation of what is to come shapes the way that we live in the here and now. Well, we don't like to think about the end. We like to live in the illusion of eternal life. Like, but the reality is this life will come to an end. And Jesus is training up his disciples to recognize the gift in that. He, he's saying, hey, hey, press fast forward for a moment and think about your present lives from the vantage point of the end. Because when you do this, you'll be able to, to act appropriately, rightly respond to the here and now. Jesus, being the emotionally healthy leader that he is, he sets clear expectations. You guys know this. If you've ever been in a relationship with someone, we say this all the time, expectations are everything. And Jesus, he's aware of this. He sets the expectation. He's super clear. He says, the son of man will come. He doesn't say the son of man might come or if the son of man comes. He says, the son of man will come and he's gonna come when you don't expect him. And this promised future reality, Jesus is trying to get us to see and respond to. He's saying this future reality requires a right now response. I could sum up the whole teaching in these two lines. If you're not ready, get ready. If you are ready, stay ready. If, if you're not ready, get ready. If you are ready, stay ready. That's basically the teaching in a nutshell. So the question that we all have to ask ourselves is, am I ready? Am I ready to face that future reality? And here's the thing, too often we determine our readiness based on whether or not we've made a decision at some point in our life to believe and put our faith in Jesus. And that decision is important, no doubt. Some of you, today's the day where you're gonna make that decision. There was a guy in the last gathering whose friend had been inviting him week after week. And finally, he just so happened to show up today. And today is all about just responding to what God is doing. And so he gave his life to Jesus and got baptized. Today, some, some of that's you, yeah. God is at work. We're gonna talk more about that later, but, but that's just the start. Like that's day one of following after Jesus. And as we're gonna see, as we unpack the text here in just a bit, being ready isn't primarily about a one-time decision. Again, that decision is important, it's essential, it's necessary, but it's not primarily about a one-time decision, but a daily, moment-by-moment -moment decision where we perpetually make the resolve to remain in a posture of readiness. Jesus is calling us into a lifestyle of readiness, an overall posture that permeates the way we show up to work, the way that, that we show up to our families, the way that we show up to our relationships, the way that we show up to conversations, the way that we show up to the grocery store, the way that we show up to our drive from one place to another. All of those moments pregnant with the potential for the, the living God and his kingdom to break into the here and now. He's saying, are you ready? Jesus paints a picture of this posture with three images. 
First, he says, stay dressed for action. That's image one, stay dressed for action. At least that's what it is in English. It's kind of a bummer though that our English translation uh, doesn't translate the Greek literally here because what Jesus says is way more colorful in the Greek. The Greek reads literally, keep your loins girded. It's way more clear in my mind what that might look like. Let me unpack it. In those days, men wore robes. It was the style of the day. Easy breezy, nice and long, right? Flowy, in, in style. That was the look, which was great, except for when it came to like needing to get somewhere quickly. And so they, they had this way of doing that. They would gird their loins. They would take a belt, wrap it around their waist, and then grab their robes and like do this really cool trick with it and tuck it in. Like they make shorts out of it somehow. Should have brought something so I could show you, but you can picture it, right? Gird your loins. So this was a posture of readiness. Jesus is saying that image, gird your loins, getting your robe tucked in so there's nothing that's gonna trip you up when it's time to go. Let that be a metaphor for how you live. Jesus is saying posture matters. Posture matters. It's kind of like the game musical chairs. How many of you guys have played musical chairs? If you've ever been to AJY, you know we play a mean game of musical chairs. It gets wild up in there. But the game is pretty straightforward. There's chairs that you put in a circle, but there's always one missing, right? And then you play the music, but at a certain point, you know that the music is gonna stop. And so you better be ready to grab a chair because there's gonna be one person who doesn't get a chair. That's how the game works. The point is, if you're walking around aimlessly though, or you take your attention away from, like, like your eye isn't on the prize, and your attention starts to drift out of focus, then you're gonna be out. Musical chairs is based on the ideal that the music will stop. That is for certain. You know that that is how it works. The music will stop, but you don't know when it's gonna stop. And because of that, you have to be ready. That's basically what Jesus means by keep your loins girded. Your posture matters. Stay focused, attentive, be ready. Here's the second image. Keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. When the master of a house went to a wedding, none of the servants knew how long he'd be gone. Because in those days, you never knew exactly how long a wedding would last. People would get delayed in coming. And so the event could last one day or it could last several days, even an entire week. You'd find out when you got there, basically. And because of that and the reality that they didn't have technology, they had no way of texting and being like, on my way over, see you soon, kissy face. Like there's no way for them to text and let them know that they're on their way. And so they just had to wait. And in that waiting, they had to keep the house ready all the time because the master didn't want to return home to the dark, cold house with all the servants asleep in their pajamas. They had to be ready. Jesus is saying, you should live like that. Keep your lamps burning ready for me to return at any hour. When we understand and we set our focus on what is to come, it dictates the way that we show up, how we get ready. I had the immense pleasure and joy 
of being over at the Inman household when Molly went into labor. The closest I've ever gotten to a baby coming into this life, it was amazing. And you know, she'd been pregnant for nine months. She knew, they knew that baby Theo was gonna make an appearance any day. They didn't know when, but they were ready. The bag was packed, the car seat was in the car. There wasn't gas in the car though. So good thing we were there to go get gas in the car. We helped them out with that one, you're welcome. <laughs> but they were ready, they, they were anticipating, they were expecting his arrival. And so they didn't just sit around and wait and, and scramble to like get their stuff ready to rock. They were ready, they were ready. Our expectation of Jesus's return, it shapes the way that we respond in the here and now. The combined images of girding your loins and keeping your lamps burning point to a perpetual attitude of expectant watchfulness while we wait for his return. Waiting is hard. It's uncomfortable. We're not very good at it in our culture. We like to be busy. Busy makes us feel important. Busy makes us feel significant. We celebrate busyness. There's that saying though, I forget who said it, but it's a good one. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because he knows that you'll lose focus and your inner flame of attention to what God is doing and being ready to join him in that work will fade. So Jesus, to those who are waiting, he's saying, be ready. He's not saying quit your job and abandon like all your responsibilities so that you can just sit and stare at the sky for him to come back. He's not saying that. He's saying, be faithful. Be faithful in the waiting. Remain in a posture of, of watchful expectancy. It's like the beaver's attitude in um, C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. They're waiting for summer. They're waiting for the season to change. It's been 100 years since summer, but the beavers, they're ready. And so when Lucy and all her siblings come into the picture, the beaver knows Aslan is on the move. They're ready. For the one who actively remains ready by staying faithful in the waiting, Jesus's words are an encouragement. He's promising for the one who has found faithful in the waiting, this blessing of sharing a meal with them. More than just sharing a meal, that Jesus, he says he'll even take the place of serving them. Check it out, he says, it'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. He'll have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Wow, let that sink in. The humility of Jesus. You feel his longing to be close to you. He loves to respond to those who cry out and who live in a posture of perpetual readiness. It's beautiful. This leads us to the third image, verse 39. 
But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Says be ready like you're watching out for a thief. These typically don't let you know when they're on their way over. You don't get a notification on your phone like, hey, your thief is on the way. Their goal is to surprise you. So, so if you know that a thief is coming sometime in the night, it would make sense then to stay awake, to be ready for him. And Jesus is essentially saying the same is true with me. The point is not that Jesus is some kind of villain that is coming to like sneak up on you and ruin your life and take all your stuff. That's not what he's getting at here. Jesus is simply trying to help us experience and lean into the urgency of his return, that we don't know when it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen though when we least expect it. And if you're not ready for it, that disruption has the potential to ruin you. Daryl Bach, in his commentary on Luke 12 says this, the exact time of Jesus's coming is unknown. And the only way to be secure is to be ready for it. That's the only way to be secure is to be ready for it. We don't like the unknown. We like to actually act like we do know it all and we try to control everything. But that is an illusion and every once in a while, something happens that takes our breath away where we realize how fragile life is. And Jesus, I think, is in a sense trying to say, get in touch with that. It's like the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. Oh, it's devastating, life is fragile. Life is fragile. Being ready, it looks like being attentive to what God is already doing and joining him in that, which, which means that we have to maintain a posture of readiness. I know that I've said that probably like a hundred times now, but it's so important. And my heart is so stirred. Because even just in this last week, I feel the Spirit's conviction falling on my life about my own posture and how prone I am to posture myself like this. Just concerned with me, my convenience, my comfort, maintaining control, like I've got it all together. That conviction that, that's just been falling on me by the Spirit is so kind. He's not trying to condemn me like, come on, get your act together. No, he's just stirring, saying there's more. There is more for you. My kingdom is at hand. It's here now and it's gonna come in its fullness. I'm inviting you to be a part of it. Are you ready? Will you join me? This posture is not one of readiness and it distracts me from being able to take part in, in what David describes as a love that is better than life. 
That is not a reality that we have to wait for when we die and go into the next life. That is a reality that we can begin to enter into in the here and now, but we're settling. I'm settling. There are a lot of days where I get caught up in watching like six hours of just TV. Not ready. Not saying that God, God, God made you to enjoy life. Not saying that. But so often we miss out because we are just so busy and so distracted and the gaps that we do have, we fill with noise and we wonder why we can't hear his voice. We wonder why we're not seeing God move. Are you ready? The reality of Jesus' return requires a right now response. Tim alluded to what is happening in our country right now and I wanna call our attention to what God is doing because I think it is an invitation for us this morning to receive and walk in a posture of readiness in the here and now. I think it's like 11 days now, 11 days ago in Wilmore, Kentucky at Asbury College, it was just a really normal day and students at that college have to go to chapel three times a week. And so it was Wednesday, it was time to go to chapel. So they went to chapel, but then something different happened. After chapel ended and people went to their classes, a few stayed. A few stayed and allowed themselves to be inconvenienced. They just could not get away from this invitation that they sensed to confess their sin and to repent. And then they just lingered in the presence of God and it just never ended. And slowly but surely, God heard the cries of his children, crying out, confessing sin, repenting of, of, of being distracted, repenting of placing other loves on the throne of their life. And as they came to the altar, with the this, with this sacrifice of a broken heart saying, God, I'm sorry. The spirit just responded to that cry and began to just pour himself out. And now they're going on 11 days of nonstop prayer and worship where people from all over the country and all over the world have been coming to see what God is doing and to take part in, in preparing their heart to receive and walk in the spirit of the living God. And it's not just staying there. If people are coming and then they're going back into their communities and they're saying, we need to repent. We've gotten distracted. Our posture's been slumped over. We've been so consumed with the here and now that we're missing out on the thing that's gonna last forever. And so this morning with the rest of our time, I just wanna make space for us to respond. Response to the reality of Jesus' return looks like lots of different things. But for the person who has not been ready, who has not declared that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, today is that day. Because this is the bad news. 
You're dead in your sin and trespasses. We all fall short of the glory of God and there is nothing that we can do in and of our own selves or our own strength to get us unstuck from that reality. But Jesus, he paid the price of our sin that we couldn't afford. He died so that we could live. And so if you've never made that decision today, the invitation is to respond, to say yes, to confess your sin, turn and repent so that you can receive the love of God that will never fail you, the life that you're really longing for. And then for the rest of us, if you are ready, but you've gotten distracted, again, the call is to stay ready. Hebrews 12 says this, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and this sin that so easily entangles. I believe that God wants to fill you afresh. But we have to name the things that are hindering us. We have to name the sin in our life that is tripping us up. Again, God is not wanting to stir up conviction to to condemn you. He wants to stir up conviction to free you because he loves you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. And he still loves you. He, He can't heal the person that you're pretending to be. That's why this invitation into honest confession is so significant. Writer of Hebrews goes on to say, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We're in the waiting. Let us not grow weary. Let's enter into a posture of expectant watchfulness in the waiting. Today is the day life is fragile. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. When the Holy Spirit begins to stir your heart, I can guarantee that he never says, wait till tomorrow to respond. You just don't see it. He says, today is the day. Today is the day. And my spirit has been so stirred up by what God is doing, yes, at Asbury, but but there's a move of God happening in our midst in Gen Z. And they're showing us what it looks like to show up honestly before God, to cry out. You know, crying out is not pretty. You have to humble yourself. You have to be willing to get messy. But the good news of God is that when we cry out, he comes. And there is testimony of that reality happening in our midst. Wake up. We have an opportunity to receive a fresh filling of God's spirit, to to receive his love and then invite other people into his love. That is the work that we are called to join him in. And today is the day. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna make space to come to the altar. Jordan's gonna lead us into taking the bread and the cup but I don't want us to enter into the reality of Christ's sacrifice for us 
without readying our hearts. James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. But then he says this, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. God wants to overwhelm you in the best of ways with his love and grace. But you have to come humbly. Cry out to God, confront and confess the reality of your heart. If you've got stuff between you and someone else in this room, make it right. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Don't let a root of bitterness take place in your heart. Today is the day. Jesus says, confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. He says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. And so what I wanna do right now is I just wanna pray. I'm not the one who convicts. <laughs> but I believe that the spirit wants to stir your spirit if you're willing, if you're open. And he wants to do that because he loves you. And so let's just make some space now to do that. Let's just posture our bodies now in a way of almost prophetically saying, God, yes, I am ready to receive what you have. I'm not gonna miss this moment. Come, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you stir up our affections for you? And we invite you to do that now by tuning us into any hindrances or any sin that is standing in the way. Just begin to ask him what's standing in the way. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to lead us into freedom. Pour out your love into our hearts and point us to Jesus, Holy Spirit. It's all about you, Jesus. You're the way, the truth, and the life. We come to the Father through you.
I just sense that maybe some of you, you're experiencing that stirring and it's like hunger. A hunger to be healed, a hunger to be whole, a hunger to be made new. God is a God that hears the cries of his children. Thank you, Jesus, that that is who you are. Would you meet us in a real way as we begin to respond to you with our bodies, what you're doing in our hearts, God? Give you permission to come. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to partner with us through giving, visit us at jesuschurch.org.